Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today, we have the amazing privilege of speaking with an amazing mother, scholar, news anchor, and woman of God, Miss Pivotal Sales. Pivotal, it's been too long. How are you? Oh, good, Trevor. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. We've been trying to do this for a while. We have been trying to do this for a while. I think we talked about it first last October, November-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Around the that, Maddie, uh, Maddie the premiere, um, mm-hmm, Maddie the mm-hmm. Discovery movie. That was an amazing movie, by the way. How did it feel oh, to be a part you. of that? Oh, it was awesome. We we are enjoying every moment of Maddie. Maddie's still doing really, really well. Um, it's doing well, and you know we have sales and all that stuff going on for CDs and Blu-rays. So, I mean, it was a great night. We um, maxed out the theater. We sold yeah. out. So, yeah, well, we, I had we, to go to another room. Yeah, we can't even max out theaters at this point in time. We're, we're going through a pandemic. How has that yeah. been? You've got 12 kids. So yeah, you've been kids. stuck in the house with a lot of kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, my husband and I have 12. And um, I, I mean, we have had to get very creative, you know, mm-hmm. um, first and foremost, throwing everything on the background, on the backdrop that God is faithful and God is a healer and a protector. So we train our children in, in Psalm twenty, in Psalm 91, you know what I mean, where mm-hmm. No evil shall come to our dwelling. So the first thing that we instill in them is your protection is not in a mask or glove. Your protection is in the one who has always kept us. And so that's the first thing. Then we find like creative ways to to do things like my um, 15 year old daughter. Her birthday happened when country shut down and we did like a red carpet premiere in our foyer where everybody got dressed up. We walked her around and she came through and took the blindfolds off and all the little ones uh, were like um, broadcast. They they did news, so they had the little spoon microphones and Come all that. Come on, stuff. <laughs> that is so oh, cool. Creative, yeah. I've never heard of anybody doing that. Who came out with that? You? Yeah. yeah Just thinking about what we do as a family. You know what I mean? In in media and passing that to them and letting them know that nothing has authority to stop what God has started. So. Oh, amen yeah. to that. And uh, so you've got 12 kids. You've got an amazing husband. We met at the Overcomer movie premieres earlier last year. If anybody listening to this has not seen the movie Overcomer, highly recommend it. Uh, Starring Aaron Wright Thompson, Sherry Rigby. It's a movie by the Kendrick brothers. And um, Cameron Arnett is in the film. That's actually who we met through. Um, Your show, It's Pivotal, is going through the Cami Arnett production company. Can you tell us a little bit about your show, what It's Pivotal stands for, and what people could expect? Yeah, so um, Pivotal is actually uh, the name that um, he's apostle to me, but you guys know him as Cameron, but it's the name that he gave me uh, many years ago. I mean, 20 years ago, I came to the ministry and have, have was named that because the word pivot is something that things hinge on, something that shifts atmosphere. And so the show is really that. It's looking at the things that we're dealing with as a nation as a world at this point, it's a global situation at this point and saying what God has to say about it. So, you know, my background, uh, Trevor, I don't think you knew this about me as a civil rights, like black power movement um, is what I was birthed in. And so, um, yeah, looking at how that ties into the word and what God has to say about it today. <laughs> yeah. And that's amazing. So where did this journey start for you? Where did It's Pivotal, your work with uh, Cameron Arnett Productions and the Black Power Movement, how did how did your journey start? Where did Piv- Pivotal begin? Well, um, I was a student at Spelman College okay. and uh, went out to grad school to Stanford University in California. 
mm-hmm. for a PhD program. And while I was there, um, the Lord just literally arrested me. Um, his love for me just took over and I gave my life to him in the midst of some trying situations. Mm. And, you know, we talk about anxiety, everything kind of just closed in on me. And I realized that my only help and security was going to be in his word. Mm. And I surrendered and he called me out of Stanford Mm. and told me I'm calling you out to birth nation. So I left the PhD. Mm. It was fully paid. Um, In fact, I was getting paid to go to Stanford. I was getting a stipend and went to my mentor and said, someone greater is calling me. Mm. And um, so I left, I left with a two year, um, leave of absence where I could have gone back. But mm-hmm. when I left, Holy Spirit um, just took over and have been really following a life of discipleship since then. So pivotal was really, that was uh, probably the most pivotal decision I've ever made. It wasn't something that was applauded yeah, by the yeah. world, you know, um, sure, sure. but it's definitely Trevor been something I've never regretted. I can never, I cannot say that I look back on it with a moment of regret. So I know to this day that it was the right decision. So if you wouldn't have made that decision, you wouldn't have met your husband, correct? Um, well, actually, he probably wouldn't have been my husband. He was a best friend oh, in wow. college. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was a best friend. And then he went to um, he went to um, be in Minnesota with a job. And um, we both thought we were going to be gone for however long and both came back after a year. And oh, so, so um, awesome. And coming back, we both gave our lives to the Lord. And uh, this is what God has been doing ever since. Oh, that's amazing. Now, in your bio, it says bringing light to the darkness of injustices <laughs> and providing answers to the longstanding questions plaguing our world. Can you explain what that means to you? Like, that's a powerful statement. I want to yeah. hear the heart behind it. So the heart, the heart, Trevor, is that I think we can all agree that there are issues. That's not the question. We can all agree that there are, there, there are social justice issues, there's injustice, there's unfairness, there's um, you name it. We can come to the table to at least some most of us can come and sure. see that we have issues. What we don't always agree on is a solution. So bringing, bringing light to injustices is not just calling them out as injustices, but recognizing that the core solution to any injustice is the true justice of Christ. And so it's one thing to offer a social solution to put another social program in place. But if you don't have the love of Christ as the foundation, you really got a problem. So that uh, that those longstanding questions, the reason I think they're longstanding is because we've never really addressed the answer. You Mm, know, we've never really addressed the true deliverer who can bring us up out of these things. So and, you know, as you're finding out, when you really go to the core of a situation, you, you, you stir up problems, you know, people's comfort zones get, um, and that's not a black white thing. That's a God thing. Everybody's comfort zone is going to get tested when you bring up the name of Jesus Christ. So, yeah. Yeah. Like I took the streets last week and was asked to speak at a, um, a rally in Monroe, Georgia. And, you know, I was speaking on unity in Christ. I was speaking about the injustices that we're seeing in the black community mostly. Um, and standing out there as a white male who I, I would honestly say it grew up with white privilege. We mm-hmm. know this, like it's something I call out now. Like once I realized to the core what we were dealing with, I could take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And, um, like I said, I went out, I gave a speech 
And I've never gotten so much hate mail in my life. I've never had so many people unfollow my social media, family, friends, um, people just degrading my decision. And it's like, if you would have listened to the video, there was a little something for everybody in there. Like God, I let God speak. I let him speak. I let him speak through me to um, the police officers that were there, the police officers around the country, the um, people that were out there protesting injustice, there was something in that speech for everybody, and it was the unity of Jesus. That's yeah. graciously given. Um, right. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for grace. Without God's grace, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be Absolutely. doing this. There would be nothing going on in my life. So what I've been thinking over the past week mm-hmm. is like, wow, the hatred that I've been receiving over the past week. Wow. I-, I can't even imagine what it would be like to grow up wow. as a person wow. of color. You know, like people judge for some reason, the white community in America, um, if there was one person that's like, this guy beat me. If there were two people, this guy beat me. It's like, eh, like, okay, but we've got millions and yeah. millions and yeah. millions of cases yeah. of racism worldwide. And it, right. it's, it, it's not just one of those one-off manager issues like you would see at Walmart. Right. This is right. something that needs to be addressed. So. Right. I, I hear a lot of people calling for um, the police stations to be defunded. I strongly disagree with that aspect. I think there needs to be reform from the inside. I think there needs to be um, work done in our government to make sense of like, okay, law and order has been taking place, but we've got we've got so many issues going on. You can't just say it's a few bad apples. There's people in there. Right. Um, racism is going to be like demolish from the home out it's got to happen in the Mm -hmm, home first mm -hmm. people have to have these conversations in their home before they could take it to the street i'd have the conversation with my family before i took it to the street so for you as a black woman a successful black woman i might Mm -hmm. add what is your message to white america what is your message to america to the christians um to the muslims Uh for anybody listening right now if they don't understand what's going on in racial injustice, um, if they don't understand why people are saying that black lives matter, if they don't understand why Mm -hmm. all lives matter isn't necessary for right now, what is your message for them? Mm -hmm. So my first message is, um, the first thing that I would say is having been on the side where I was really angry, really um, borderline hatred, there was a point where you and I would not have been able to have this conversation. There was so much history I was uh, steeped in. And, and like I said, born into and taught and raised on um, my major was African history. And so I, I was inundated with everything that has happened historically. And even, you know, I'm still very much aware that it happens currently. What I can say is that along first, I'm going to speak to the body of Christ. You cannot, tell me that you spend time with the Holy Spirit and and he does not convict you in these areas, right? Because the first thing that he did for me was take a heart of anger and unforgiveness and got rid of it. Instant deliverance. Now, I'm not saying that everybody will have that experience. I'm saying that literally for me, I went to sleep one night, very angry and very hurt and unforgiving of what had happened uh, among whites to blacks, but then actually understood that, okay, that's what happened, but now I'm delivered, I'm a new creature. So it's very important to understand that that deliverance is available to everybody, right? Sure. Number two, I would speak to, and, and, and so, so if 
you are calling yourself a Christian and are not convicted by this, I would say, check your salvation because mm. there is no way that you spend time with the Holy Spirit. There is no mm. way that what flows out of him, the love that flows out of him does not convict. And I think for what I am seeing is the importance of this case is it's so in our faces. It's mm. so apparent that even unbelievers are convicted by it. Mm. So if you are somebody who has been born again and not aware of racism and the effect that it has, you've got to check the Christ that you serve. Yeah. Right. Because you have created another image. Yeah. Right? And we're all made in the image of God. That's Correct. the first and foremost thing that hit my mind when this topic started. Mm-hmm. Like, we're all made in the image of God. How can we hate someone by the color of their skin? Yeah, and yeah. some some people don't even realize they're struggling with racism. Right. It's right. something that's masked within them. <clears throat> and I think we can all admit that at times in our life, we've had racist thoughts go through our head. Therefore, if we've had one or two racist thoughts go through our head, we could check ourselves on that. There's yeah. <laughs> more to this than, like you said, white and black. It's not left and right. It's it's right. a human yeah. well, issue. Well, it's a human issue. It's also a systemic issue, yeah. right? Is that when you're talking about a system that at its core, the, what the Bible says is the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm. And so for me, <clears throat> the Lord has really dealt with me as I teach history to young people mm. that you're really dealing with a system of privilege. That mm-hmm. in order for money and, and, and money to be perpetuated over generations, somebody has to go without. Sure. And if you have to pick a group of people <clears throat> that are going to systematically suffer so that another group prospers. Now, mm-hmm. it's not that everybody in the group is prospering sure. and to the point that all whites are rich, but it is to the point that there are benefits to that system if you're white. So it's not mm-hmm. that like, like you and I have both um, conquered anxiety. So mm-hmm. we both have that in common, right? <clears throat> But your anxiety is not because you're a black male. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mine is not because I'm a black male. There are other sources of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But so it's not that we don't have the same challenges, but your challenges are not based on the color of your skin. So a lot of times I hear the question of, well, whites have issues too. Yeah, but it's not because they're white. Yeah. Some of ours just come because of the skin that we were born into. And Mm. that's a systemic thing, right? The only way you change a system is that the hearts of the men have to be changed. Sure. You know? So to white America that, that doesn't profess Christ, I would say you, you've got to be able to look at the facts because I can't appeal to you on a heart issue or on a spiritual issue. But I will say if this was your child, mm. just take a brief moment to think that if it was your child, how would you react? Mm. What would you see if every time your child left, a building, you had to be concerned about them coming back in alive, what would be your response? So the the most that I can say is just shift it on this minor level, this minor scale, and see what position that puts you in. And then you can kind of at least begin to have the conversation. Because what happens, Trevor, is it opens up so many other realizations that let's just take something as simple as sitting out front of a coffee shop, reading reading the Bible, reading Mm -hmm. a book, studying for a, a physics exam. Sure. Your ability to sit in that car for four or five hours versus an African-American male's ability to sit in that car are two different realities. After a while, who will have called the cops on one as opposed to the other? So, so those are very simple things that I think can be done to kind of take the blinders off. 
you know what I mean? If the if the foundation isn't Christ, if it is, man, you just got to you got to really check your relationship with the Lord because you can't tell because I know how he changed me and I know how convicted I am on treating anybody incorrectly. Something's wrong with your Jesus if it doesn't convict you. Mm, mm. And you you mentioned all of this. What where do you think that the healing is going to start? I think that okay, so one, I'm I kind of take a probably non popular position on this in sure. that I don't think that the system itself will shift until the return of Christ. Mm-hmm. I think that <clears throat> I think that hoping for that. We're not promised that in the Bible. Mm-hmm. What we're shown is that it will progressively get worse. Mm-hmm. Everything that deals with a Babylonian system of greed and lust for power will continue to the point that Christ shows up and annihilates it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's Bible. So I don't necessarily pray for the end of a system that I'm told will get progressively worse. Sure. So I, I don't think I think the healing <laughs> has to begin with pulling people out of that system. Mm-hmm that world system into the kingdom. We are told that there will be those who will come out of it and who will impact it, but we're not told that it will end. So, so I think it begins at the point where these conversations um, begin to happen, where you and I can um, sit and we can uh, honestly say, okay, here's where I missed it. Here's what else we need to look at. And we can speak heart to heart, right? Yeah. But I also think, Trevor, I would also say to the white community, like right now, I haven't done um, an It's Pivotal episode on this, partially because I, I, a part of me, um, it feels like it's time for the white community to speak to the white community. Mm. I think that um, that those who have been convicted by the Holy Spirit and those who whose blinders are starting to come off and to see it have a responsibility to speak to that community because mm-hmm. they will hear you in a very different way than how they hear um, African-Americans. So I, so I'm just really listening for white leadership yeah. <laughs> and what they're, what they're, what they're, especially in the church, what their positions are, how they're speaking to their congregations. Mm. I just think, and, and, and at that point you guys open the door for us to be heard. But I think mm. um, there's, there's an automatic hearing that occurs when somebody black says it. It's like, well, you just think you're entitled. Well, you just, but when the blinders come off the same way in my community, I have a responsibility to speak the word of Christ and forgiveness and letting it go and, and ministering, not so much letting the history go, but letting Christ take the pain and use it for redemption. Sure. Right. You can't, you can't wipe away 400 years by saying, okay, we're done, but you can put it on his altar and Mm. you can put it on the throne. You can ask him for redemption. And so, and he'll give it. So I have that responsibility, you know, um, because again, for somebody white to come into African-American community, there's a, there's a listening that's already there. You can't really tell me nothing about, but, but when some, someone of the same color comes in and says, look at what he's done for me, mm-hmm. look at what he showed me and delivered me from, sure. it's possible. There's a different way of hearing that. Amen to that. Now you, you mentioned that you struggle with anxiety in the past. What did that look like for you? Because for me, I started struggling with anxiety, panic attacks at the age that I could remember, 16. I was mm-hmm. on tour. I was doing really cool things. The Lord was using me. And I remember having a panic attack at an event. And I just like, I literally canceled 
everything off mm-hmm. of my life mm-hmm. list of what I wanted to do. I quit speaking. I quit pursuing evangelism. Wow. I deleted all my social media accounts. I said I was done. Like I was done, done. And, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't until early 2018 that I actually started pursuing it again. I oh, didn't, wow. I literally had this epiphany of like, if I've been praying to second Kings two, nine double portion of God's spirit on my life, he can allow that. He can mm-hmm. bless me with that, but I have to fight this anxiety first. Like I was working full time for AT&T, um, prime communications. I was the number one sales rep, um, that year for the company. And I went to Cancun. I was living the quote unquote American dream, but I was, I didn't enjoy life. I was Mm -hmm. depressed. I was dealing with so much anger on the inside of me that money wasn't satisfying me. Owning a house didn't satisfy me. I, I, I knew there was more to it. Mm -hmm. So I started pursuing help and the Lord, I still struggle, but now I know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. I know that therapy works. I know that medication works. I know that working out and meditating in Mm -hmm. the body of Christ, it it works. Mm -hmm. So, that's where I found my fix is like God helped me through therapy, through prayer, um, trusting him and medication is not the devil that helped me through a season. And the Lord's been able to just provide. Mm -hmm. I would have never been able to do this on my own. I would have never been able to jump on a red carpet without God's blessing. I, Mm -hmm. that was foreign to me. Um, Mm -hmm. So for you, as someone who struggled with anxiety, going through the motions, how did you find recovery? So um, first of all, I'll say for for me, anxiety is a generational thing Mm. um, for the women in my family specifically. When I look uh, down up my family tree, so many women have dealt with it and it's taken the form of like cancer. Mm. A lot of times where it's suppressed. Or you, you know, you find that there's this like uh, anxiousness or paranoia about real everything that comes up. So um, I was again, these are things that I was born into naturally. And, you know, um, I remember my grandmother speaking over my life and saying she was a believer, saying this cycle will stop with her. Mm. Like from a very young age, I have visions of her speaking over my crib. Like there are things that I shouldn't remember sure. um, of her talking and saying, this will be broken with this one. And, um, and so for me, I think the mantle on my life is, is, is a pivot, you know, it's, it's where the cycle stops. And so what that's meant, Trevor, is taking a lot of um, hits that people took on before, but that were passed down and didn't stop. Sure. Well, the bus stops here. Like I'm, I'm pretty clear that that's the call that he has on my life. And then to birth other children who will start with a a clean slate. Mm -hmm. Um, But what that looked like for me um, in California at Stanford, the way that it happened, I was engaged to someone else. Um, I had three 20 page papers due um, the following week. The guy called off the engagement, the um, uh, just everything that, again, I grew up in an all black community and Stanford is very much not that. And so it was the first time that I was in a, a situation where I was a minority and all of those things kind of collapsed all at once. None of my comfort zones, none of my, um, my security blankets were all snatched from me. Mm. And I remember being like, I am absolutely not going to make it. Sure. I, there is no way I'm going to make it through this. And so, um, that the night that everything happened, I remember going to see someone who was a mentor for me 
And um, when I left his house, he was actually a, a leader in the Black Power movement. When I left his house and realized that he really could not help me, it was a very scary moment because he had been able to walk me through so much. And I realized I, it's at a point when nothing will work. Sure. On the way back to the, to the dorm, I saw myself um, flipping the car off of the bridge. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and it was a vision of this is over. I'm good. And I wrestled with it. And I saw the car hit the bottom. I saw what was about to take place. Sure. And the Holy Spirit, now I know it's Holy Spirit, came in and grabbed the wheel and said to me, uh-uh, not today. I've invested too much in, in you. This will not take place tonight. And he grabbed it and drove me home. The next thing I knew, I was in the dorm on the floor in tears saying, God, I I can go no further. I surrender. You got this. And I said, Lord, I really am ready to just just leave here. Like, this is too much pressure. And the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to me, if you want to die, then that's cool. But know that you're going to deal with me on the other side. And I was like, oh, I'm dealing with true authority. I'm good. I'm going to be here. And I said, Lord, but if I'm going to be here, I'm going to love. I'm going to stay here, but I I vow to love people and to love you. And that was the beginning of deliverance from anxiety. Now, since I've really had to battle moments of that, right, where what tends to trigger it for me is the fear of the future, right? Mm. The fear of the future based on what I have available at present. Mm. And so, I have to really, I have scripture on it, uh, Trevor. My recovery, praise God, has has been able to be um, through scripture. Like I have never had to do um, the medical route. My husband and I do um, counseling. We do do Christian um, psychological counseling to help us with the marriage. But I can't say that that necessarily was for my anxiety so much as the health of the marriage. Sure. Um, but, But when those moments come, I literally have to just um, remember who he is. I I have a regiment in place. Like my fix is I have to leave this. I have to, when it, and when it gets to a point that I really cannot handle it, I have to leave, get fresh air, uh, dive real deep into what God has said. Mm-hmm. Dive really, really deep into the fact that he loves me. And regardless of what's going on, the grace for right now is present. Mm-hmm. So I really rely a lot on the grace of God for the moment. Um, I was listening to Joyce Meyer and she did a really good teaching about a week ago. And she said there were two Christians about to be burned at the stake. And the night before they were about to be burned, one was a very mature Christian. Another one was a a Christian who had just come into Christ. And the one who was, wasn't a seasoned um, was very nervous about the next day. The older believer said to him, it's going to be okay. You know? And so he, he had a certain joy and peace about him the younger guy lit a match to light the room and the match burned his finger. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, he, he, he freaked out and he said, how can God require of me to be burned at the stake if this hurts this bad right now? Mm-hmm. The older gentleman said to him, God didn't require you to light that match and burn yourself. If he has required you to be burned at the stake, you will have grace for that tomorrow. The grace for your finger is not there. Mm-hmm but the grace to be burned at the stake will be there. And so that was a great perspective for me um, when dealing with the anxiety. I, I, I cannot worry about tomorrow. Sure. I know that the grace for tomorrow will be there when it's needed. 
And so that's a huge, like I, my, one of my foundational scriptures is be anxious for nothing, mm. but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And for me, when I was against God in college, that scripture kept me. I knew enough to know that scripture. And so, um, yeah, like coming out of academia, there was always something to be in an uproar about. You know, mm-hmm. when is this paper due? When is that due? And now being the mother of, of 12, there's ample opportunity at any point. You name it, I can go there. But um, I, I, I have to, the, 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 the best thing that I can say is making the word of God the mm-hmm. primary thing. That if, 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 if this child needs to wait another 15 minutes for what I got to do, the best thing I can do is stay in this prayer closet a little bit longer mm. so that I have something to give them that's effective. For yeah. someone that's struggling with their faith right now and they feel mm. suicidal and depressed, what would mm. your message be to them? Oh, my message would be surrender and trust that God will meet you there. Mm. Call on the name of Jesus. And, and I can put my life on it that he will meet you there. Mm. You know, I don't have, all I can tell you is do what I did, surrender and say, I'm at the end of myself. Jesus, I need your help Mm. and watch what happens. He specializes in that. You know, I don't, when you're at that point, I don't know if you've ever been to that point, but when you're at that point, there's nothing theological, philosophical, nothing helps. Mm. but the authority of the name of Jesus. Mm. So even though I was against Jesus, when I called on him, I knew enough to know this name is going to make a difference. Mm. And so even if you don't believe he's the son of God, even if you are doubting anything you ever heard about him, you know, in the African-American community, a lot of times we think it's the white man's religion. And, you know, it just, whatever your strongholds or thoughts or perspective is about him, what you can trust, you might not know if the history will hold you up. You might not know if the history of the Bible is stable, but what you can bank on is that that name right there, (laughs) that name will get you through that moment and let him get you through that moment. Then the next moment, then the next moment. And and until you can float above the water, because that's a really, really critical point. Um, Just call on the name of Jesus. Mm. Well, thank you so much for joining us here at Trevor yeah. Talks. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Miss Pivotal Sales from It's Pivotal. Uh, Where can they find you? Um, you can find me at comiarnet.com um, and It's Pivotal. So you go to the productions page and among other things, there's a lot that CAPS is doing. Um, we've got, you know, a BJ today. We've got productions that Cameron's been doing. You name it, it's on there. But um yeah, that's where you can find me at comiarnet.com and um, all of the shows are up. You can kind of get to see some of the things we've been doing. I, I'm grateful to be here today. Uh, I like, like, I like to say I'm a wife of one and a, a mother of 12 and uh, mm. I serve one God. So mm. <laughs> it's been a privilege. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much for joining us and I hope we get to talk to you soon. Absolutely, Trevor. Thank you. Thank you.
Hey friend, I'm Brooke McLaughlin, host of the Everyday Prayers Podcast, a ministry of Million Praying Moms, and I'm here to invite you to partner with God for the hearts of your children on the daily. Our goal at Everyday Prayers is to help moms understand and pray God's Word. Join us each weekday as we share insights from God's Word for today's Christian mom. Tune in to the Everyday Prayers Podcast in your favorite app or by visiting lifeaudio.com.